Good morning. Are you guys ready? I hope, I hope so, because uh, we've got something to do today. So um, if you are uh, visiting today or you're new to the church, I just want to encourage you. Um, one, thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're here. Um, is there anybody here for the first time today? Would you just be willing to raise your hand up? Amen. <laughs> All right. We are so glad that you're here. Um, you're only a guest the first time, and then after that, your family. Um, we have a welcome center in the back. We have a gift for you, and uh, we just want to encourage you to, to, to take a part of that. Um, we'd love for you to sign in. We'll call you this week. We'll be praying for you this week. But uh, guys, we've been studying all last month. We were studying worship, right? And, and so uh, then the last sermon, we, we got into what is uh, to, to worship in spirit, right? And then all of a sudden, we're like, whoa, uh, we want to do this more. You, you guys remembered, you guys voted for this. Uh, we don't have business meetings uh, every once in a while. I'll, I'll let you do that. But uh, there wasn't a business meeting, but you did vote. And, and so here's the thing is we're going to spend the whole month of, 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 of March here, and, and the sermon series is Me, Myself, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so how does this work? So we're going to talk about how does the Holy Spirit and how does my spirit all work. So I hope that you are ready. I hope that you're going to try to try your best to take some notes. But here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with, a, with what I call spiritual building blocks. So some of the things that we talked about last week Okay, some of the things we talked about last week and building up through there, we're going to use those as spiritual building blocks. So you see this diagram, something that we've used for the last several weeks. I'm going to just continue to make sure that we see this where it is. So here's the deal. Every one of you has a heart. Okay, some of you men here says, well, my wife says I, I'm heartless. I don't have, you have one anyways, okay? So even those who, who would categorize themselves as heartless, you have a heart. The heart, that your heart is where your emotions, your feelings, your passion, everyone's passionate about something, right? We're all passionate. There's something that you could sit around and talk about all day long. Maybe it's hunting, maybe it's fishing, maybe it's, it's uh, Chiefs football, um, I'm just saying, um, but every one of you has something that you're passionate about that you could just talk about. That's your heart. That's where your heart is. So every one of you has a heart. Then you have a mind. Um, and here's, let me, let me give you a little cheat sheet here. Do you know how to know where somebody's heart is? It's really easy to find out where somebody's heart is. The Bible says, out of your heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's coming out of your mouth, you're allowing other people to know where your heart is. So if you're involved in gossip, guess what? Everybody already knows where your heart is because your mouth gave it away. All right, now come on, you know what I'm talking about, right? So if all you have to talk about is negative things, then somebody knows where your heart is. Your heart is always, your mouth gives your heart away. But anyways, we all have a heart, we all have a mind, and the mind is where you begin to think about things, you process information, you take da data, you justify things, you rationalize things, that's where you begin to sort through the information trying to make a good decision on something. Then you have a body. Every one of us has a physical body, and that physical body is how things happen. So what happens is the, your, your, your heart and your mind get together, and they try to tell the, the body what to do, right? We, we use the cake analogy. You guys remember the cake analogy? We know that we're not supposed to eat that cake. The cake, I'm not supposed to eat the cake, but the cake was there, and the heart's like, man, 
I really desire the cake, and the mind is saying, you know what, we probably shouldn't do that, but if we did, we could run a couple of miles after this and, and run it off, and the heart's like, you're right, and the body's like, I don't want to do any running, but my taste buds are firing right now, and so what I'm wanting you guys to understand is that any addiction, anything that you struggle with, your heart, your mind, and your body are all working, sometimes against each other, sometimes together, but there's one part of you that a lot of people don't understand, and that's your soul. Your soul is the one part of you that's trying to integrate all the rest of you into unity. Let's do this together. But here's what's so amazing. This analogy is a very important analogy because it builds everything else from here. Every one of us in this room has probably bought something that you really, 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 really wanted. And even in your mind, you're like, man, if I could just buy this thing, I'll be... Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Every one of you, at some point, you're like, if I could just get this, or I could get this job, if I could get that promotion, if I could buy that car, this is my dream truck, right? Whatever it is. And you're like, man, if I could just get that, I'll be happy. And then what did you find out after you got what you always wanted? That you weren't happy. But here's the, here's the reason why, is because your soul, which God created you with a soul, the soul can only be satisfied with one thing, and that is its creator, God. So you will never find satisfaction chasing after the world because the world can't satisfy the most important part of you, and that's your soul. You can chase it and chase it and chase it and chase it, but it won't make you happy because you're happy, your soul is only happy with God. It's creator. And here's the amazing thing is how much God loves you. He loves you so much that he put something in you that would only want him. Wouldn't it have been easier for God to just say, listen, you're completely on your own. Good luck. I hope you choose me or you're going to hell. I mean, would, I mean you know, and, and most of us, if we're being honest, that's probably how we would have done it if we were God. Well, you better choose me or else. And what God says, man, I love these knuckleheads so much that I'm going to put an eternal part in them. I'm going to give them something special. I'm going to give them this soul, and this soul is going to yearn for me, and it's going to cry out to me, and I'm just praying, and I'm hoping that they'll listen to it. Isn't that amazing that God loves you so much that he puts something in you that would only be happy with him? Man, I just think... I'm so amazed at God's amazing love for us. It never ceases to amaze. I just keep going further and further and further down this, down this path. I'm like, wow, God, your love is so amazing. Because I don't know that I would have gone to half of the links that God did to get our attention. So we're going to talk about those. So that was our, our soul. So that's kind of where we, we ended. But then we started talking about the spirit. So we're going to talk about our individual spirits. Every one of us has a spirit. And we're going to talk about how that spirit works with the Holy Spirit throughout this month. So here's what we're going to do is I'm going to put a lot of passages on the... We're going to predominantly study one passage, but I'm going to show you some things. So here's our building blocks. Number one, you were born with a spirit. That's the number one building block that I'm, we're going to have to... This is still my introduction. Yeah, you're welcome. So 
You were born with a spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 43. There is a spiritual, natural body, and there is a spiritual body. You see, there is two. There, you have a natural body, and you have a spiritual body. Everybody got that, right? See, what, I'm, what I do is I make sure that I always put the scriptures up here. You can write them down and go back and look at them and look at the verses before them and the verses after them. That's why I always put the scriptures down so that you don't like, well, I don't know where he was. You do know where I am because I put it on the wall. For you, all right? You, I want you to be able to go back and check that. Look at it. Because I don't have time to preach on all of these verses, but I do want you to see that, hey, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. The next passage is John chapter 3. He's talking to, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus and he says this, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. He's saying that you you are, there's a need in each and every one of us to be born again. So you were born, listen to me, you were born spiritually dead. You were born spiritually dead. So no matter what you did, it never really brought a full, completed satisfaction or a true happiness. You were missing something in your life. Your spirit was dead. That's why Jesus was even telling a a preacher in the church, the preacher of preachers. He was a teacher of all of Israel. and, And Jesus is like, I'm telling you this, but you need to be born again. We need to be born of the spirit. Our spirit is dead and it needs to be born again. Okay, so so there's that. So now Ephesians is just going a little bit deeper down that road. Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, but God who is rich in mercy, I love that, and because of his great love, so we got his mercy and his love right here, which he loved, in which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, and that's just we were dead in our sins. So here's the deal, we were dead. Every single one of us. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. So if anybody's here today and says, I'm perfect, you're a liar. Therefore, you're not perfect anymore, okay? So does anybody think they're perfect? Good, good call, because I don't, I don't want to have to call you out in front of everybody. So we've all messed up, right? We've all fallen short. We've all sinned. See, the thing is, is that it's not like saying, well, hey, um, I, I don't walk around trying. I'm better than, no, here's the deal. All have sinned and fallen short. Well, Romans 6.23 says this, the wages, the the payment for my sin, the wages of sin is death. Okay, so here's the deal is what the Bible's saying is, listen, you have fallen short of God's perfection, and because you've fallen short, the wages of your falling short, what you deserve is death. That's what I have. But, the verse goes on, Romans 6.23, the verse goes on and says, but the gift of God. See, God doesn't say, I don't want you, God does not have you working for it. You're not going to go and earn it. You're not going to go work for it. God's like, I'm going to give this to you. You deserve hell. You deserve damnation. You deserve all of that because of what your life has done. But I want to give you a gift of salvation. That's what makes God's mercy and his love so remarkable. I'm dead, and I deserve hell, and he says, I want you to live. I want to give you life, and I want to give you eternal life, and I want to give you heaven. Anybody who who thinks our God is uh, not a loving and merciful God is not reading the Bible that I'm reading. I don't know what they're reading, but it ain't this. So we see this 
made us alive together. So what happens is this. He says he's rich in mercy because of his great love. He's loved us even when we were dead. So he loved you even when you were dead. So I want you to hear this. God will never love you more than this very moment. I could preach the greatest sermon in the history of humankind, and God's not going to love me more for that. In the same way, I could walk out of those doors and never preach another sermon again, walk away from the church and quit altogether, and God's not going to love me any less. Do you know why? Because his love is perfect. He perfectly loves me in my mess, and he perfectly loves me when I'm walking down the right path. God loves you. So just like my children, I love my children even when they don't do the things that I want them to do. Right? My love for them doesn't change. I may be disappointed, I may be frustrated, and I may whoop them, give them a good whooping, but my love is the same. Now, and I'm not even God. So God's, his love, his love is perfect. It's unconditional. Way better than ours. And so what I'm wanting you to understand is that, so his great love for you, in his great love, he loved you even when you were dead. He loved you and, and sent his son to die on the cross for you even when you were in rebellion against him. So you were born with a spirit. That spirit was dead. That's why we need to be born again. Now, the second building block that we need to put in to place. Oh, let me, let me say this and finish on that verse before I click it. And by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. I, I shared this last week. You guys remember that, right? Now, here's the thing. I looked in the Greek. This is not a future tense. This is a present tense. This is now. So, when he says that he's made us sit together in heavenly places, so we were dead, but he made us alive. So my spirit was dead, but at the moment of salvation, when I was born again, God's spirit came into my spirit, made my spirit alive, so my spirit's alive, and combined with the Holy Spirit, we're united, one, right? You guys following me, right? So now my spirit is alive, and what it says is that, it says here is he says, and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. So I started thinking, how? And who? And, and what? And when? Where? Why? I started asking all these questions. I'm like, well, if anybody said, Daniel, how are we enabled to sit together in heavenly realms? If you asked me how, you know what my answer would be? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Because there's so many things in the Word of God that is so much deeper than my little pea brain can get. But I know it's true because it's in God's Word. So here's the deal is I don't know how, but I know the who. I know the who. It is the Holy Spirit that enables my spirit to go to heavenly places. And I don't get it. You know how I know it's not? My body didn't go anywhere. My body's not floating around. You know, my heart's right here. As stubborn as always, and my mind is right here, my soul is right here, my body's right here, but there's one part of me that is not stuck in time and it's not stuck in place, just like the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit made my spirit alive, and now my spirit is combined and united with the Holy Spirit, which has enabled my spirit to go into heavenly places. Is that not the most amazing thing we've ever heard? Because has there ever been a time in your day, like your, your day is terrible, right? It's like a terrible day, and you're just ready to like check out of the day, like I'm done. And it's like, man, I need to get out of this place. Well, guess what? Shut your door and get people out of there. Put your phone down. Put it on mute. Don't listen to it. Do a mutiny against your phone. All right? And ask the Holy Spirit, take my spirit out of this place. I need peace. I need to be with the Prince of Peace. And watch and see what God does. So, second thing is this. The building block. God is spirit, therefore worship is a spiritual thing. See, a lot of times we think that, you know, um, singing a song or, or is worship. Well, it's, it's a, a, a worshipful act. It's not what worship is. God is spirit. So because he is spirit means that worship is a spiritual thing. So it is, it, the spiritual aspect of worship is the primary part and the secondary parts is my emotions, is my mind, is my body. You get what I'm saying is the most important part of the worship is the spirit part. But guess what? We don't know very much about that, do we? Or we've been so conditioned to be afraid of it, we're like, Holy Spirit, could you just stay in a box and not make me feel uncomfortable? Come on, right? God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Hmm. If my spirit isn't worshiping the spirit, then I'm not worshiping. That's exactly what that means. You guys get that, right? But I love the truth part. So, in the Greek word, we talked about this last week, but I'm making sure that if anybody's missed it, that we kind of get filled back in. The, the, the Greek word, aletheo, for this word truth, we just write down the word truth, but it's, it's a little bit more than just the word truth. It's revealed truth. Revealed truth. So it, it could, could read in English, he's seeking worshipers. We must worship him in spirit and Revealed truth. Have you ever thought about when you came to church and God taught you something? Not, not the preacher. I mean, he's using me, but, let, but, but that word of God is living and active. I'm not, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying is, is that my words are just human words, but you've, you've been shown something in the word of God and you never knew it before. And all of a sudden, everything inside of you is firing and you're excited and you're like, my mind is blown and I'm so excited. Anybody ever felt that, right? Okay, that's worship. That's when you're worshiping is when God says, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to blow your mind today. Like this week, I'm like, God, Monday morning, I'm like, God, I want you to blow my mind. And he's been doing that all week long. And I'm like, I can't wait for Sunday morning. Now, you guys might be like, I already knew all of that stuff. Well, good for you. But for those who don't, 
That's what worship is, is when God reveals more of himself to you and then your mind is like expanded to know more about God and your heart, you don't even realize it, but your heart is pounding, your mind is throbbing because it's just, wow, I was opened up to something. And then all of a sudden, every part of you, you don't even realize this, but you're worshiping God. That's what, see, there's too many dead preachers preaching dead sermons in dead congregations. That's going all over America, all over the world. There's a lot of dead churches. When you have something special where everybody is hungry for the word of God, something special happens. One of the things that I love about Living Water is when we show up, we're like, let's get into the word. I remember when I tried to preach 20-minute sermons, and everybody was like, stop it. You guys remember those days? Somebody's like, no, I did not say stop it. I like the 20-minute sermons. So anyways, so now that I'm done with the introduction... We'll, we'll, we'll move through the passage pretty quick, but it is important for us to understand I have a spirit and God is spirit, okay? So then today we're going to be studying 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there. I'm going to also have it on the screen behind us. I'm highlighting, and one of the things when I read the Bible, I highlight and I underline and I do all kinds of things for me to, to, to I just compartmentalize things. That's how my mind works. It gets me excited. So here it is. We're um, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to just read through the first handful of verses here to build the context of the story. So, and so it was with me. This is Paul um, writing a letter to the Corinthian church. Brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come to you with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony of God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and great fear and trembling. My message of, and my preaching was not with wise or persuasive words. One of the things that you have to understand about this culture in that time, in the first century, Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthian church, and in that time, Greek philosophy was huge in that church, in the Corinth. And so what he had to do is instead of trying to fight philosophy with philosophy, he backed up and said, I'm just going to know Christ and Christ crucified. I'm going to simplify this. And that's what he did. He, 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 he didn't try to compete with philosophy. He just said, nope, I'm going, to do, I'm going to be so basic. All I'm going to know when I'm there is Christ and Christ crucified. And this is what he ends up saying. But he goes, I didn't do this with wise and persuasive words. He wasn't trying to change their minds by, by, by his speech, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. He said, I'm not going to try to compete with your human wisdom. I'm not, going to sit, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about Jesus and Jesus crucified. And I'm going to let the Spirit do his work. So that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He's like, I'm not, I don't want you to have faith because I convinced you to have faith. I want you to have faith because you felt the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, right? Right? Because if, if you're believing it just because somebody had some fancy words, then guess what? It won't last because it's built on human wisdom and not on the Spirit's power. But when you feel the Holy Spirit in the room, there's no denying that. Amen? Have you not felt the Holy Spirit moving? And you're like, man, that's real. So, 
So that's where he, he starts off, and, and I don't want to spend, this is just kind of building up the story. So he says, I, I, didn't, I didn't come with fancy word, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Now in the next verses, in verses 6 through 8, he says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. This is, this is pretty important. So what he's saying is, listen, I didn't come to you with fancy preaching. I didn't come with you with persuasive. I came in weakness. I knew Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I came with the, the Spirit's power. That's what he set out to do. But those who were saved, those who had received Christ, he says, we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature. It's pretty important then to be mature. This isn't talking about an age. It's not a physical age. It is speaking of a spiritual maturity. He goes, not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. What, what he's saying is this. We are teaching this and people don't understand it. They don't understand the Holy Spirit. They don't understand their soul. They don't understand these things because they're so caught up in the world. They don't understand it. There is a message for the wisdom, for, for those who are mature. A message of wisdom for the mature. Today, this message is for the mature. Some of you who may be not born again, there'll be parts of this that you, I'm praying, will understand through the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's going to be parts of this that if you're not saved, you're not born again, you may not, like, I just don't get that. And that's because it's a message of wisdom for those who are mature, those who have the Spirit. Because I have the Spirit, my Spirit says, yes, that is true. That is right. Listen, listen, listen. But if I don't have the Holy Spirit, I may be just sitting here going, what? Is he talking about some spirit thing, some soul thing? I don't get this thing. How much longer do we have to sit here? What are we having for lunch? My stomach's growling. I think it's time to get up and go to the bathroom. You know, I mean, so... So I'm wanting you to understand that what we're about to get into, I'm reading all these verses to build up to this, this coming up section where we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit. A lot of people, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, it's going to be impossible for you to understand the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit to understand the Holy Spirit, and you'll understand that in just a minute. So I'm calling for wisdom, and I'm calling for maturity. In this next part of the passage here, <clears throat> verses 9, he says this, However, it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things and even the deep things of God. So here's what I'm wanting you to understand is this. The Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God and it is the same Holy Spirit that will reveal it to you. Okay? We all, we all following so far, right? We all, we all with me? I didn't lose you in that statement, right? God has revealed to us by His, you guys got that, His Spirit, 
The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So we need the Holy Spirit to, to reveal to us. We need that Holy Spirit to reveal. To reveal is to uncover things that you didn't previously know or previously understand. All right, verse 11. This is good. All right. We are probably, we're trucking right through this. I'll squirrel out here at some point. I always squirrel out. Right now I'm like, man, we're really going. All right, so here we go. Verse 11. This is so good. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? You guys see that, right? See, what he's saying is Paul right here is he's making an analogy. And he's comparing the human spirit to the Holy Spirit. He's like, we're going to have to talk a little bit about the human spirit and the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. Only you know you. You guys get that? I know that, men, I know that your wives think they know you better than you know yourself. If they did, you'd be alone. The reality and the truth is no one really knows you except you. Have you ever had somebody try to tell you what you were thinking and they were completely wrong? And you wanted to just choke them, right? Like, you don't know me. I know my own thoughts. I know my own heart, right? Oh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, you don't. If you did, you would be running for the door right now. This boot, a little thunder, a little lightning. All right, so, so here's the thing, though. Is, is, is so no one knows you but you and who you desire to reveal yourself to. See, I know myself, and I can choose to reveal the deep things of myself to my wife if I choose to, or I can hold that away from her. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes we try to enter into relationships and we're not really being honest about ourselves. We don't really share the fullness of ourself with our spouse and then we wonder why we're not one. Huh, right? Kids, I hope you listen. Some of you don't even know who you are and you're jumping into a relationship and you can't have a real relationship unless you know who you are. If you don't even know who you are, how are you going to share you with someone else? First, figure out who you are. Then you can begin to reveal that. Right? Man, all these kids, one week into a relationship, I love you. No, you don't. You don't know that word yet. Yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hold tight. Hold tight. All right, so no one, right, no other person can know you but you. We're, we're there, right? Let's look at the next verse. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Right? See, that's what's so amazing about this is what God is teaching us. He's showing us in his word. He says, listen, no one knows you but you. But guess what? In the same way, no one knows God but God. That makes sense, right? This is so amazing. The Holy Spirit knows the deep things of God. 
The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals those deep things no differently than you. You know yourself and you choose whether you open yourself up to others or not. Isn't that amazing how it's so similar? It's so, so similar. What's so amazing is when it says that the, the Holy Spirit is the one who searches the deep things of God. That word searches is present tense. And in Greek, present tense means um, it's, it's like we're always in the present tense. So this is a continuous, habitual thing. So the Holy Spirit never stops searching the deep things of God. It never stops. Let me put it this way. To understand God, you could spend every moment of every day reading the Bible, never sleeping for a hundred years, and you still haven't touched the surface of who God is. That's what makes it so exciting is that there's always something new. There's always something more. You will never get there. In in a, a million lifetimes, you will never fully fathom the deepness of God. None of us. Um... Francis Chan puts it this way in Crazy Love. He says, picture God's, just the one attribute of God, his love. Just the one single attribute of his love. Picture it and, and, and imagine it as the ocean. And your mind <laughs> is a 12-ounce can soda can. Empty that sucker out, take the top of it off, go to the ocean, and this is how much you understand of his love. I mean, but that's, that's, the, that's what's so amazing is like, I, 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 God, is it possible that I can move from a 12-ounce can to them taller 16-ounce cans? I mean, I'd like to be there. And then maybe if I could get there, maybe, God, could you let me be a 20-ounce little bottle? And then one day, maybe I'll understand a liter worth. of Because what the point is, is this. The point of what he's saying is, is that you will never truly, with our minds here on earth, will ever truly fully understand how wide and how deep and how long and how high the love of God is. We'll never fully get it. Doesn't mean we're not going to try. So what's so amazing is that he's saying is like in the same way, the Holy Spirit is is constantly searching. So here's another way of looking at it. Let's picture that every mystery of God, which there's infinite amount, is a locked door. And you get to that locked door, there's only one way through this locked door, and that's the Holy Spirit who is the key. Opens that door and I get to walk into the next mystery of God. And then I seek more. I say, God, I want to know you more. And the Holy Spirit goes, come on, I got another key. Hey, come on. Come on. Come on. Let's keep going deeper. And let's keep going deeper. How in the world could we be in any church and ever not want to stop learning and growing? I remember a deacon once a long time ago, not in this church, but I had a deacon coming and he goes, I know all that I need to know about God. You teach everybody else. Bless your heart, you know nothing. Because I want to be a child. I want to have childlike faith for the rest of my life and say, God, I just want another piece of you today. I just want to know a little bit more. Give me a little bit more every single day. 
And that's when amazing things happen. So the Holy Spirit is never stops searching the deep things of God. So the Holy Spirit is constantly searching and constantly, present tense, revealing to us. The Holy Spirit's willing to reveal to you every moment of every day. And you can spend an entire lifetime of the Holy Spirit searching and revealing, and you still will never know all the things of God. That's just awesome. I mean, it would be really terrible if you're like, well, you got to, you got to enlightenment, so you're done. At that point, you just have to be quiet and never say anything because then people would realize how dumb you are. <laughs> just don't talk. You reach enlightenment, don't ever talk again. They, they'll never know. Um, all right, so, but we're not done. One more verse here. Well, not one more verse, but we got four more after this. But, so he says, no one knows you but you, but no one knows God but God. What we have received. You see that? That's why I underline it. What we have received. Those who have, this is a, a message for those who are, 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 are mature. That means that those of us who have been born again, anyone who has the Holy Spirit within them, what he's saying is this. This is for us. We have received. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. What you have received is the Holy Spirit. You have received the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of this world, the spirit of God. So if only God knows God and his spirit is the one who knows God, right? If it is the spirit of God who knows God, you have received the spirit of God. So I'm wanting you to fully understand what's being said here. Within you is the fullness of God, and you just don't understand it yet. Think about this. The Holy Spirit inside of you knows all about God, and it's in you. Let that sink in. The fullness of God is in you because God is in you. One more time. A man, as a man, you only know yourself. No one else knows you but you. Spirit of God is the only one who knows the deep things of God. Spirit of God knows the deep things of God. And you, we didn't receive the spirit of, of the world. We received the spirit of God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit of God is in me. The Holy Spirit of God who has searched and continues to search the deep things of God, knows all of who God is, is where? Right here. Therefore, all that God is, is in here. There's just a whole bunch of locked doors that you need to go through, and guess who has the key? The Holy Spirit. Oh, come on. There's like an endless amount of mysteries inside of our hearts that's just waiting. It's just waiting to be unlocked. Do I understand it? Nope. But I'm excited about it. Why don't I fully understand it? Because I'm not the Spirit. But I believe and I trust in God's Word with every fiber of my being. I don't have to understand everything to accept everything. God's Word says that I'm on it. 
And the spirit in me says, yes. Yes, that's the word of God. Yes, you can trust it. Yes, you can get in line with it. All right, we're not even done. There's still some great, great things coming. All right. All right, I need to get like a fan that blows in over here. My, the kids always make fun of my sweat rings. I can feel it. It's happening. It's all right. That's when we know we're getting somewhere. All right, so now the next verse, verse 13. All right, so here we go. Verse 13, these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. You see how I highlighted that? You see how I highlighted, okay, we're not talking about just human words made up stuff. I'm not making anything up. I'm showing you that I'm just reading God's word to you. That's what's so important is that you understand what I'm doing. And as a preacher, what I preach is just God's word. I don't need to do anything fancy. I'm highlighting his word. It's his word. These things we also speak not in words which human man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches. See, here's the thing. You have received, if you're saved, you have received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in here, and His job is to teach you spiritual things. Right? The Holy Spirit is the teacher. Hmm. Explaining spiritual things with the spiritual. So sometimes we're like, well, I don't get it. If you don't get it when the Holy Spirit's teaching, it's probably because you're maybe not spiritual. Do you know how do you become spiritual? By receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what makes you spiritual. It's not a level. It's not like, hey, you've reached level 10 as a Christian. You know, <laughs> Like, level up. You know, there's not a leveling up here. You know, it's like, you know, those of you guys who play video games and get into all that, and you're like, I'm a level 100 Christian. Bring it on. You know, and you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, I'll be back. You know, I mean, no, that's not what this, to be spiritual is that you have received the Spirit and you're allowing the Spirit to what? Teach you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so, whew. All right. I got, I'm not even on the right page. We just kept going. There we go. All right, so now let's look at the ver next verse. Verse 14. Okay. You see, I can't know God without God revealing himself to me. That's what's so amazing. I need God to reveal himself to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I was looking at verse 12. Oh, I'm at the bottom of the page. I've skipped through a lot, guys, without looking at my notes. I got so excited, I just kept going. All right, so I'll just turn the page here. All right, so. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Okay? To the natural man who rejects the things of God, he would hear me and he's like, oh my goodness, you sound like an idiot. Because it's foolishness to someone who doesn't have the Spirit. Think about it. I mean, it makes perfect sense for anyone who has not been saved. They're, they're, they're like, this is weird. You Christians, you Bible people are weird. Because 
They're in a natural state. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. My spiritual body's dead until I am born again with the Holy Spirit. But to those of you sitting in this room and you have the Spirit, what's the Spirit saying? Yes! Right? So it's foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Why can't the natural man know this? Because he doesn't know God. And the only way to know God is through the Spirit of God. And the only way to have the Spirit of God is to be born again. You guys getting, you see, that makes perfect sense. When you start thinking, you're like, that makes perfect sense. Why you continue to tell your loved ones about God, and they're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. This sounds weird. Because they're in a natural person state, and they need to, they need to have the Spirit so they can understand God. You'll never understand God. And that's why we need faith. Because if everything was just perfectly laid out, and everything always made sense, you wouldn't need faith. When we take that step of faith into this unknown, unsure, but I, I know it, but I don't, I, I mean, hey, you know, getting out of that boat and putting my foot on water, I know in my mind I'm going to sink, but I'm trusting God. So I'm going to take this step of faith. Oh, wow, it, okay. So the, the thing that I'm wanting you to understand is that for a natural person, it doesn't make any sense. And they can't understand it because these are things of God. You can't understand things of God without His Spirit. Kind of makes sense, though, when you start thinking about it, like why you explain things so many times to somebody and they don't like, I don't get it, right? They don't get it because they don't have the Spirit of God. Don't get frustrated with them. Be patient. Continue to love them. Because one day, you're praying for a spiritual, spiritual awakening. Amen to that. So, He says they are foolishness to him because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. This is amazing. So don't, this is, this is the pinnacle peak. Guys, we only have like one more verse, two more verses after this. Don't miss this verse. This is, this is where God just started showing me some things. So the word discerned and judges, I both, I highlighted both of them. They're the same exact Greek word. Anacrino, down here. The study, thoroughly to learn something by a process uh, of careful study, right? So anacrino is I'm, I'm learning, I'm, I'm studying something, I, I know it, I've learned it, but I went through a process, right? That's what this is meaning. Then I started going, well, why would, why would they translate it into two different words, why would, why would, when they translated this, why, from, from Greek into English, why did they not just use judges both times, or maybe learned both times, or discerned both times, unless there's something else that we haven't seen? And there is. You guys ready? All right, so this is really cool. I don't want to lose it. I want you to see that these are exactly, these two highlighted words are exactly the same Greek word, but here's where Greek grammar takes us to a whole nother place. So, just like in English, if you don't know any grammar, I will tell you this. Is there any English teachers here? Good. You won't know any different then. <laughs> when I first started preaching, I, okay, so one of my worst classes in high school was English. I'm like, 
If you teach my natural language, I'd probably ace it. My natural language is sarcasm. And they didn't teach that in high school. They taught English. I'm like, this isn't even my primary language. Then when I took Spanish, the only phrase that I knew when I walked in there is El Barro Sabe Masque 2, which says the donkey's smarter than you, and I got sent into the office. So I didn't even have a first good day in Spanish. I'm like, I can't even master my own language, let alone anybody else's, you know? So, so here's, and I didn't, probably didn't even say that right. So anyways, so, but what I learned when I got into college and I started studying God's word, I started understanding how important grammar was. Because grammar can open things up to you to help you understand things that you couldn't see before. That's why I'm building this up. So we're going to look at the first part, spiritually discerned, and then we're going to look at the, the next part. So he says this, But the natural man does not receive things of the Spirit of God because they are foolishness to him, nor can he because they are spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned, same Greek word as the other one, but it's a passive voice. Passive voice means the subject, you and I, are being acted upon, not doing the action. Something else is doing the action. In other words, something else is doing all the discerning. You're not discerning anything. Something else. I wonder who that could be. You guys get what I'm saying? So what he's saying is this. The natural person doesn't get it. doesn't make sense to them. Because these things are spiritually discerned. Meaning that the Holy Spirit in you is the one teaching you, the one opening up the word of God to you. It's opening up the understanding to you. So the Holy Spirit is making, is, is acting upon you to show you proper discernment. Do you know why they use the word discernment? Because the word discernment is used as a spiritual gift. Huh? Okay, you following me now? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, here are the spiritual gifts, and one of the spiritual gifts is discernment the holy spirit revealing something to you that you previously didn't know so when we're talking about understanding the things of god first first the spiritual man so it's not me doing any of the discerning the holy spirit now it makes sense check this out so he is because they are spiritually discerned but he who is spiritual judges all things the same greek word as the discerned Yet he himself rightly judged by no one. This is now active voice. So now, so the Holy Spirit acted discernment upon me, and now I am spiritually judging things. Not judgment like you're thinking. This, is, this, this Greek word is you have learned something, and now you've processed something, and now you have something, and now you can use that thing to properly decide and judge things. Not being a judgy person. Not the same thing. If any of you walk out of here and say, well, the pastor says I can judge people. You didn't hear me. So what happens is the Holy Spirit allowed and enabled me. It, it, it spiritually discerned things inside of me. But be, he is spiritual because I have the Spirit judges all things. Now I can make judgments. Whew, okay. After. Everybody say after. after. After the Holy Spirit has revealed himself to us, the things of God, now I am able. Everybody say now. now. Now I am able to discern and judge all things. Do you know why you would have a right judgment? Because the Holy Spirit gave you that judgment. 
what I think the most amazing part of this whole passage is right here. We like to think that we know how to spiritually judge things, right? Come on now, right? Yeah. But what this is really saying is that the Holy Spirit has already given you the judgment. So all you're, all you're saying is what you've already heard the Spirit say. Therefore, it's not about your assumptions. Oh yeah, I went there. Huh? How many times when you judge something, it's based upon what you're assuming happened? You don't know it happened, but you're assuming it. Huh? Come on. Right? Those assumptions, man, I'll tell you what, there's so many people say, Pastor, and I'm like, is that an assumption or is that a fact? I need to know which one we're dealing with. Because assumptions aren't facts. They're what you assume. And guess what? You don't know that person's heart. So quit assuming that you do. It's not about your opinions anymore. Here's what I think. <laughs> when somebody starts off with, here's what I think, you already know you're about to get an earful of somebody else's opinion. Right? I don't want your opinion, and you don't want my opinion. We want the discernment of God. That's what we want. We want the discernment of God so that we can make right choices in our life. It's not about your thoughts. Here's what I think. Right? Come on. Here's what I think we should do. What does God want us to do? And that's going to take the discernment of God through the Spirit of God. It's not about your rationalization. We're the best at rationalizing sin. We figured out how to make our, us not, not feel bad about our sin because we look at somebody else's sin as worse. Look what they're doing. I'm doing way better than that person. Nope, you're not. You just proved it with your heart coming out of your mouth. Come on. The moment you start saying, I'm doing better than somebody else, you just proved that you're not. At least that person's not throwing you under the bus. If it takes you throwing somebody else spiritually under a bus, you're further off than you think. See, what happens is this. Remember what Jesus always said. He was telling all the Pharisees all the time. Remember when we did that really, that everybody loved that series, The Pharisee and Me, right? When we was doing that. And you guys remember how Jesus was always saying, well, I'm only saying what I hear the Father say. I'm doing what I see the Father do. Guess So, so you see how that works. Is same way with us. The Holy Spirit is revealing himself to you so that you can just repeat what you're hearing the Spirit say. So you're hearing the Spirit and you're speaking out what you're hearing the Spirit say in the same way that Jesus did. That's our goal. So, in conclusion, the last verse, the last verse that he says, in verse 16, is this, for who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him. Okay, we don't. But it says we have 
the mind of Christ. Did you see that? We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So how do I have the, the mind of Christ? It's not about how, it's about the who again. Because I have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is revealing to me the things of God, now I can act and rightly judge based upon the things that the Holy Spirit is showing me. Therefore, I'm doing exactly the same thing that Jesus did. Jesus heard it, he said it. Jesus saw it, he did it. You guys following me? So here's what that looks like. Because I am allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me and to reveal himself to me, then what happens is this. Then I begin to talk like him. You will begin to think like him. You will love like him. You see, one of the biggest problems in the church today is that we don't love like Christ. We have what's called a conditional love. If you dress the way that I want you to dress, act the way that I want you to act, and do all the things that I want you to do, I'll love you. I mean, that's like, we should put that on a, on a, on a, on a picture frame and put that in half of the marriages today. Because that's the kind of love that we act towards each other. But see, God loves you when no one else did and you didn't even love yourself. And yet God loved you even when you were at your worst. Why can't we love others when they're at their worst? Because we don't have the mind of Christ because we're not acting as a spiritual man. Is that making sense? You can know when somebody's acting natural and when they're acting spiritual. Because a natural person will love with a conditional love. A spiritual man will act and love with a unconditional God love. Pretty good, right? I just thought of that right there. The moment. <laughs> you will pray like him. You will give like him. You will serve like him. You will minister like him. You will lead like him that's the mind of christ and a million other things that i could have put there right Mm. every head bowed and every eye closed you see what was so amazing last week is that we got to see some people who gave their lives to Jesus. They didn't understand the things of God until that moment, and they took a step of faith, and they allowed the Holy Spirit in. And what's amazing is that we begin to just learn a little bit more each time. A little bit more. A little bit more and a little bit more. You are spiritually dead until you receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you place your faith in God.
Is there anyone here today? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Is there anybody here today that says, I want to receive God into my life? I want to invite Him in. I want to give my life over to God. Is there anybody here today that says, I need to give my life to God? Praise God. Anyone else? Praise God. Okay. So here's the thing. There's not a secret prayer. There's not some thing that you have to do outside of that when you believe in God and you surrender yourself. See, God's been knocking at the door of your heart for a long time. Salvation is you opening the door and saying, please, come in. Forgive me for all of my shortcomings up to this point. But God, I want you. And just like we sang earlier, nothing else will do. I want all of you. I'm going to pray a prayer. As a family, we're all going to pray with you. Those of you that raised your hand, we're going to pray with you. So that you're not alone praying this. We're going to all pray this out loud. It's, it's not the prayer, it's your heart. If your heart is true and you're asking God to come into your life, He will. So pray with me. Dear God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins. And I believe He conquered death by raising from the dead. I have sinned. I have fallen short of God's glory. ask you to forgive me for everything I've ever done. I'm asking you to come into my life and take over. I give myself to you. All of myself. Please come into my life. And reveal yourself to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment longer. We're going to open up the altar in just a moment. There's nothing greater than being able to celebrate what God is doing in our life. So I'm going to ask if you had asked the Lord to come into your life. And today's that day that you gave your life to Jesus. I'm going to come down here off this. I'm going to be right down here in the front row. I didn't get to do this last week. And I know one young gentleman is here. He gave his life to Jesus for the first time ever last week. And I hope he'll join me as well. But 
With your heads bowed, I want to make it easy for them to, to begin with. But if you've asked Jesus to come into your life today, I just want you to come stand right next to me so that this can be celebrated. It's the best day of your life. It's, it's the day that you were born again. The day that Christ became your Savior.